This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Welcome to Woodland Hills Family Church. We're glad you're here. We love these guys. Matt's also a stagehand. Help me thank Matt for all he puts in. Hey, all right, yeah, Matt. Okay, so... (laughs) We are glad you're here. If this is your first time at Woodland Hills, welcome. If you're coming back from Easter, welcome. Glad you're here. To everyone outside, over at the chapel, welcome. To all of our church at home family, we take an offering at Woodland Hills Family Church. Thank you for your generosity as you support individuals and families here in our church and community and then taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And there's four ways that you can give at our church. You can give uh, with checks or cash, you know, an offering box is located in the foyer, or you can hit the church center app or the give online now button at woodhills.org or text any amount to 84321. Uh, Today we launch a series that is all about making the most of time and living in God's purposes for our life. And today, we're kicking it off with making the most of time. And next week, we're looking at a no-regrets faith. Uh, The series was going to be called Don't Blink. But then this song came out. And if you've ever heard theologian Kenny Chesney, he says, (laughs) Don't Blink. Because just like that, you're six years old, and you take a nap, and you wake up, and you're 25, and your high school sweetheart becomes your wife. Don't blink, because just like that, you might miss your babies growing like mine did, turning into moms and dads. The next thing you know, your better half of 50 years is there in bed, and you're praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friends, a hundred years goes faster than you think. And we say often here at this church, the days go slow, but the years go fast. So let me say that again for the new mom. The days go slow. But the years go fast, and we want to talk about making the most of that time. Starting in Psalm 90 and verse 12, if you've spent a lot of time in church, or you grew up in church, you've seen this verse attributed to Moses, where we're taught to teach us to number our days. When the scripture talks about numbering our days or redeeming the time, it's not just so that you and I will come to grips with our mortality. That's not the end-all, be-all. What it's saying is, teach us to number our days so that we, we make the most of God's eternal purposes in our lives. And there's two ways that you can number your days. There are those who come to grips with life is short, the days go slow, the years go fast, and they live as a fool and just kind of that YOLO, right? You only live once, live it up big, party, make the most, get as much pleasure as you can. That's not what we're going to learn today or through this series. The fact that life is short calls us followers of Jesus to make the most of every opportunity to fulfill God's purposes in our lives, to wake up each day with the desire to serve him and to serve others. And and here's the bottom line. God wants you to make the most of your time. This, This short period of time you have upon this earth, the short period of time I have upon this earth, he wants us to make the most of it for his glory. We number our days so that we may present to him a heart of wisdom. And that's what we want to do for the next three weeks is gain a heart of wisdom around time. So when we talk about numbering our days, I had this idea and I skipped it in the first service. I didn't want to make the 8.30 feel bad because there's a lot of senior adults in our first service. Uh, but I put this number up here. 
that if you live to be 80 years old, you will have 29,200 days. And what I was going to do is have everybody pull out your calculator and multiply your age times 365. And I thought, that'd be a terrible way uh, to start a message. Because uh, some people are like, ha, ah, <laughs> the number's red. So uh, Bob Goff says, this is, and again, when Scripture talks about your ordinary lifespan, it's not a guarantee. Bob Goff, I heard him say this week, this is the number of days you'll get You know, more if you eat broccoli, less if you eat Pop-Tarts. But if you make it to 80, and when I see that number, it's not a a very big number. Like, if if I multiply my age times 365, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the second half. Some of you are in the third quarter. Some of you are in the fourth quarter. A lot of people at 830 in overtime. But we're not just numbering our days to be like, all right, we got to live up every moment. We got to do this. We got to do that. No, it's like we've got to number our days to make sure that the days we have remaining are living out God's purposes in our lives. That we're fulfilling worship and fellowship with one another, discipleship, becoming more like Jesus, ministry, serving other people, evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 39. It's where we want to start this series, Psalm 39, we're going to look at three verses, verses four through six. Now, this is a wisdom psalm, but it's, it's kind of in the form of a lament. And, and by lament, what we mean is there is a complaint in this psalm. And a lament psalm brings a frustration, a, a painful, uh, hurting moment in life to God. And, and you'll get that in this, but it, we always want it to end with a confession of trust in the Lord. But as we read through this, you're also going to pick up that wisdom literature. You're going, to, you're going to get the feeling of Proverbs. You're going to get the feeling of Ecclesiastes as we read it. So that's why we say it's a wisdom psalm in a lament form. And here's what we read in verse 4 of Psalm 39. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You cannot study the Bible from cover to cover, without picking up the theme that life is short and life is fleeting. Life is fleeting. Let me know how fleeting it is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. And today we're going to see several word pictures from the scripture about how short life is. The span of my years is nothing before you. In other words, this is the complaint the psalmist is making. My age means nothing to you. This is a complaint, but he he picks up, and here's where we start to get the wisdom. Everyone is but a breath. So what we're talking about today affects every single person in here, whether you've been successful in relationships or not, whether you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or not. What's true of every single person in here, every single person watching, and every single person that will listen to this later, your life is short. Even those who seem secure, those who seem to have it all together, It can be snatched away, and that's where we get verse 6. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain, so here's where you pick up that wisdom literature, they rush about heaping up wealth. Oh, the futility of going after wealth and riches at the expense of relationships. And what we're going to see today is people matter most. Invest in the people that matter most in your life. Take every 
opportunity that comes your way as an opportunity to invest in people. I want, I want to make sure we're clear, though. Money is not the root of evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. So if you have a lot or if you have a little, what's true of both those people in the room right now, life is short. Some of you, your first time to Woodland Hills, you're like, this is so encouraging. <laughs> is this the pace and the tone we keep at this church? You got to just stick with it. <laughs> Go on. And I love this. For those of you who are preparing a trust or a will right now, you heap up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. I love that. Pastor Tommy Nelson says, make sure the last check you write in life goes to your children, but make sure it bounces. Can I get an amen on that one right there? (laughs) In vain, they rush about. So you kind of are picking up that wisdom literature in this. That, but, that what a waste. If your life is all about your checkbook and how much you can accumulate, you're wasting precious time. But if it is about the people surrounding you and making the most of the time that God brings to you and the people he brings to you and the opportunities to serve others, that's good use of time. See, we like to say things like this. I wish we had more time. Have you ever been in one of those good conversations, like just rich conversation? And, and you're looking at your watch going, I know this has to end. I don't want it to end. This has been so good. I wish we had more of this. Then you've also heard people say, like my math teacher said, sorry, but we're out of time. I would say, no apologies necessary. Uh, I've been done about 20 minutes ago. Or we just want to know, where has the time gone? Where has the time gone? People say, I love this expression, time sure flies. Days are slow, but the years go fast. My all-time favorite quote um, on time comes from preacher A.W. Tozer, and he says this, time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it up, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You cannot hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it is unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. So what we want to do in this series is wrap our mind around the value of time and wake up each and every day with, I have this moment. What am I going to do with it? I have this day. I'm getting it started. Lord, what is going to take place today that I can live out your purposes in my life? When you think about the value of time, so what is the value of one year? What's the value of one year? Why don't you ask the student who has just held back a grade? What is the value of one month? Ask the parents who just gave birth to a baby prematurely. What is the value of one hour? Ask the businessman or the businesswoman who just missed a flight, causing them to miss that meeting and couldn't close the deal. What's the value of one minute? Ask the man or the woman who just had a heart attack in a restaurant or a store, but there was someone nearby who knew CPR. What's the value of a second? Ask the family who just swerved out of the way to miss a head-on collision. And they'll tell you a second is very important. What is the value of one millisecond? Ask the Olympic silver medalist. (laughs) Time is precious. And what we want to do today is look at three key understandings on time. And, And understand, your time is your life. And God wants you to make the most of your time for his purposes. So as we look at time, we're looking at life in three keys from the scripture. Life is short. 
We've already covered that in the introduction, but let's look at a couple more passages to wrap our minds around it. Man is like a breath, Psalm 144.4 says. His days are like a passing shadow. Psalm 102, verse 11, my days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. So we get the understanding that life is short. You can't read through scripture without picking that up. But oftentimes what I'm shocked is to hear from Christians their shock when not only life is short, but life is difficult. When you meet someone in a difficult season or stage of life, and they're like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Well, we need to understand, life is not only short, it is also difficult, painful, and challenging. If you go up a couple of verses in Psalm 90 and verse 10, here's where we get that number, 29,200. Our days may come to 70 years. Or 80 if our strength endures. Again, not a guarantee of life, just speaking there of ordinary lifespan. If our strength endures. Yet the best of them, not the worst of them, the best of them are like trouble and sorrow. And here it is again. They quickly pass and we fly away. How many, anytime you read that, you go back to that Southern Baptist tent meeting and you're like, oh, fly away, oh, glory. I'll fly away. In the morning. Anyway, so... Yeah, trouble, sorrow, quickly pass. Life is short, life is difficult, and here's the third one. And this is for, I'm telling you, this is for believers and for those in here right now who are lost. You've never placed faith alone in Christ alone. You're not a believer in Christ Jesus. You need to know life is uncertain. As we talk to believers today, life is uncertain. That means you and I, we're not promised tomorrow. We need to make most of the time we have today If you've never placed faith in Jesus, you need to know you're not promised tomorrow. Life is uncertain. The time of salvation is now. In James, we read this about a business transaction. In chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. I'll say it again. There's nothing wrong with making money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? And here's another, here's the word picture again. You're going to see it all throughout the scripture. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, and this is the key for us as we head into Ephesians chapter 5. Instead of bragging about all that you're going to do for the believer in Christ Jesus, it starts right here. If it is the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will, we will live, first, first and foremost, we'll continue breathing and do this or that. And today you're going to see it. We, we want to live God's will for our life in every moment and every opportunity that we have. Because this text is addressing the person that is arrogant or becomes filled with pride over what they're going to do tomorrow or years from now. Proverbs 27 verse 1 addresses that. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So here's the truth. The truth is life is short, difficult, and uncertain. And if you came to Woodland Hills today and we stopped there, I would encourage you to find another church. That's, that's a pretty just, whew, let's, let's keep going. Yeah, that's the truth, but you have a choice. And I have a choice. I can live as a fool, or I can gain a heart of wisdom with the time that I have. But the choice to be wise with your time is up to you, and that is on you, and that is on me. If you have your Bibles and want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look 
And I would encourage you in home groups this, this week or uh, in personal Bible study to look this up on BibleGateway.com or the Bible app and look at different translations and how they break down making the best use of time or making the most of time. Here's what Paul shares with the church at Ephesus. Look carefully then how you walk. We need to pay attention to how we're walking in our faith. Not as, here it is, unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We want to make the best use of time in serving others is what he's addressing. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There it is again. In the NIV, it takes making the most of time and says it this way, making the most of every opportunity. And here's the difference between those who are wise and those who are unwise from Ephesians chapter 5. The difference between those who live with purpose and those who don't is how they use their time. Making the most. And so we're going to just share four things from Ephesians 5, application points to take with us today. Number one, make time for people because people matter most. Look for opportunities to serve. Last week, Easter, whew, what, was that not a, what a morning uh, Easter was at Woodland Hills Family Church. We, we baptized 60. That's something to celebrate there. We had right at 3,300 on campus. About 3,000 of them came to the 830 service. Uh, it was the most attended service. I couldn't believe it. It was packed. Uh, so Amy and I, you know, we took our, our naps on Sunday afternoon. And then Monday we got up and we had an 1130 flight to Atlanta. And uh, we board the plane and we're, we're getting ready to take off. It's just, everything's normal. And on takeoff, we hit something. Uh, I don't know how high we were when we hit it, but we felt it. And one of the engines started stalling out. And I've never been on a plane that this happens. Uh, I've heard of people being on these planes, and I've been on a lot of planes, but this engine started stalling out. I felt it. I heard it. It was pretty loud, and it did it three times. Like, okay, and, it's like that and you know, when, when people who travel a lot are looking at each other, you're like, that's not supposed to happen, right? That doesn't sound right. That doesn't, I mean, we were given that, and then after the third, you know, just a little stutter, the plane went like this, and we were heading back to Springfield Airport. And, and I told Amy, yeah, we're going back. Something is not right. And then the pilot comes over. And I love the pilots and how soothing they try to be. <laughs> uh, there's no emergency, folks. Uh, we're down to one engine. <laughs> but good news is we only need one. Uh, he said, uh, and he didn't know at that point we had hit something. Later we come to find even the, the blades were a little messed up on the engine, and one of the pilots that was flying with us said, you can suck down a goose with one of these engines. It won't do anything. Anyway, we must hit a couple of them. Anyway, uh, and we circled for 45 minutes, and, and, and I don't know what they're doing. I think they were calling people back at the simulator going, I don't know, we, uh, what do we got? Uh, and we're dumping fuel probably. Uh, but he comes over and he says, you're going to notice emergency equipment on the runway. Don't be nervous. It's just precautionary. Uh, we've trained for this. He's like giving us all this. My wife is over. Everybody's looking around. My wife's on her phone and I go, Hey, yeah, we're making an emergency landing in Springfield. And she's like, well, let me know, you know, how it turns out. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I think you'll know, but we had just come out of Easter where we were singing. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for all he's done. Right? So 
we were ready. But then as soon as I'm talking to Amy, a hand lands on my shoulder. And I turn across the aisle to a gentleman sitting next to me. And he says, I know you're a pastor. He said, the flight attendant is crying and I'm not doing well. He said, would you pray with me? I said, absolutely. And I start praying with him. I found out today from someone close to this gentleman that he actually said, I knew Ted was traveling with his wife at the time, but I thought my needs were more important at that very... I thought that was pretty good. And I, I asked him. It was the first question I asked him. Now, remember, this was Monday morning where we were, have to wear masks on planes when we took our flight out eight hours later. Um, we didn't have to wear one, so I, couldn't, I didn't see the face. And I asked the guy real quick. I said, do you know the Lord? That was my first question. Do you know the Lord? And I need a pretty quick answer. Like, I, we're, I need you to yes or no. And it was a real firm, solid yes. And so we prayed. And, and you know, I looked around. I looked around. Every single person on that plane had their phone out. And I was, I was looking I wanted to look over seats and see. And let me tell you, there wasn't one phone displaying the stock market (laughs) and how bad it was crashing. Nobody, nobody was looking at the money they had in the bank. They weren't on their accounts. They weren't, they weren't trying to figure out how much they were worth in these final moments. I, I didn't see this. I was even looking for it. I'm like, well, certainly someone's videoing this and putting it on social. Listen, not one person that I saw was on social media. Every single phone that I saw, including the gentleman sitting across the aisle from me, they were texting. And here was my text to my children at 1232. And you're like, you know, for your final text, you could have added a little bit more. But I said, love you both. Proud of you both. Have a great day. Turn on the news around two. Everybody was texting. You know why? Because Can I just ask you to help me understand this? Why does it take moments like this to recenter us? Why do we wait for a funeral to get serious about what matters most? Why do we wait until we lose someone we love before we really start making the most of our time and stop chasing after that which is the wind? We got off the plane and, <laughs> I, you know, I break boundaries all the time. I walked, I walked past the flight attendant, and I got right in the cockpit. And I got right in the pilot's face, and I said, good job. You had one job to do, and you nailed it. You nailed it. Why does it take so long for us to invest in what matters most? Make time for people. Serving people, caring for people, discipling people, sharing the good news of Jesus with people. Now, had it really, and I knew we were going to, I'd been in situations. Had the, had the mask fallen, I wouldn't have put my, probably would have grabbed the mic out of the flight attendant's hand. Real quick, raise your hand if you don't know the Lord. <laughs> and real quick, get up here. Let's not wait for, for moments like that. And number two, be on the lookout for opportunities to serve others. Had the opportunity this week to hear from Bob Goff, and he loves this expression. It's not his expression, but he uses it all the time. He calls it the head on a swivel. And and if you know Bob Goff, that's Bob Goff. 
He is constantly looking for opportunities, right, to, to serve people, to love people, to care for people, to give to people. And he, he just breaks what I call the awkward barrier all the time. Like things you and I would go, this is awkward. I don't want to say or do anything in this moment. We need to embrace what Pastor Mark Batterson says. Awkward is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awkward is awesome. And he said during the pandemic, he was walking on the beach. He lives in California, Bob Gall. And he says, I'm walking on the beach, and I see a couple holding hands walking toward me, and I can tell they're sad. And now th- these are the moments I'm talking about. These are the moments I, I, I don't want to overlook anymore. I want to make the most of telling people about the good news of Jesus. I want to make the most of investing in the lives of people, those closest to me and those that I meet walking on a beach. He said, they're walking toward me. He goes, he got right in front of him. Bob's kind of a taller guy. He gets down right in front of me. He goes, you two look sad. Now that's pretty bold. I just start, I I don't know, you're going to do that at lunch today. You look sad, sir. He goes, this is my resting face. Uh, I'm I'm as happy as I've ever been. Uh, but he goes, why, do you, why are you guys so sad? And he finds out that they're both emergency room doctors. And that's been a hard part in their life, obviously. But he said even harder than that is our wedding venue. We were supposed to get married next week. Our wedding venue just canceled on us. And Bob goes, I got good news. He goes, I own a boat. And why don't you come and get married on my boat? And then he showed these pictures of the boat. And, and I, I was just, as he was sharing that story, I thought about a moment in a restaurant here recently where... It was about two tables over for me. There were three ladies gathered around another lady, and she wasn't crying. She was sobbing. And I, I, I could tell it was, I knew it had to be something relationally. And I was like, I was prompted by the Holy Spirit. Do you have these moments? You're prompted by the Holy Spirit, and what do you do? You completely ignore them. And I'm like, that's awkward, right? You walk up to a group of crying women and be like, hey, what's going on? I, I was just sitting over there watching you for the last 45 minutes, and I know something's happening in your life. I thought maybe you could, you need any help? Right, I know. But that's, I'm just, that's what you feel on the inside, and that's why you keep walking. I want a head on a swivel to go, and, and the head on the swivel is just an expression we use for awareness. It's all around you. You're going to have opportunities today to minister, to share the good news of Jesus, to make the most of every opportunity and not waste it. I just want to encourage some of you. This is something we share at our church all the time. We got this from Dick Foth. We have a lot of core values in this church that we picked up from people, and you're going to get more of it even after this one, picked up from people over time. But he, he says this, walk into every room, whether you know the people or not, with the there you are, not here I am. Man, it changes everything. Some of you I know have been frustrated here at the church recently as we've talked to you about things because if I'm just being honest, some of you show up on campus with a, here I am. I've got a ministry. I've got this going on. I've got that going on. And I need to let you know about it so you can do something. No, 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 no. You want to really serve God's purposes and the kingdom of God, not just here, but everywhere you go walk in with, there you are. I want to know about you. Tell me something about you. If every one of your conversations starts with I, here I am. Start, start more conversations with, there you are. Do you have a good week? What's going on? 
But some of us, we don't engage in those moments. We don't make the most of our time. We don't take advantage of every opportunity because we, we fall for this, and this is not one of our core values. We often do for none because we can't do for all. So we don't engage. We put blinders on. And you'll never get me to... <laughs> to I just still think during the pandemic with masks, blocking smiles, and earmuffs, and visors, and just, we were just so shut off from everyone. All of that has to come off. And this isn't a pandemic comment, but some of us put blinders on. And I know if Amy gives me a list to go into the grocery store and get something, it's like, okay, Lord, I don't need any opportunities right now. I need mustard is what I need right now. <laughs> Lord, I don't need any opportunities. I just need to get to that aisle. And then I see someone and it's like, but that's not on those people. That's on me for not having margin. And so we, this is a core value of our church. Do for one what you can't do for all. We get this from Pastor Andy Stanley at North Point. Do for one what you can't do for all. And if I can just, I just felt led this week to talk to the, the new mom or the young mom in here that you already have a couple of kids and you just have another one. And you hear a message like this and you're thinking to yourself, do you think I'm just going to randomly stop with a carrier under this arm and, and bottles on this arm, I'm going to stop at a table of a weeping woman and be like, tell me your problems. <laughs> you want my baby? You want my children? And you right now think, I, I, I'm not in a place to minister. I, you need to be reminded it's what we believe at this church. God has given you someone to minister to right now. They are very small. Invest time in them and don't see it as a waste of time. I'm looking around. The scripture calls it the gray hair. I love the word picture. And you're the, you're the blossoming almond tree. I just, I love that word picture. And there's a lot of blossoming almond trees in here right now. There's, a, I know, there's some of you, there are a lot at 830. And that's why this image grabs it for me. For those of you who ain't got a lot of sand left. What are you doing with the little bit of sand you got left? Because there are little ones all around you that you can take by the hand and give it to them. Spend time with them. Pray with them. Teach them the Bible. Make the most of what little time you have left. And you're like, nope, this little time, it's time to cruise. Okay, go on your cruise and then get back and spend time with your family. Invest deeply in your children. Because listen, they got a lot of time left. And this, we teach this all the time at our church. Parenting is a journey from control to influence. And some of you have great influence right now in the days that you have left. Number three, take personal responsibility for your time. Stop blaming others for your calendar. Stop blaming others for, I don't have time. I wish I had more time. And yes, you have a job that you have to show up to and leave from. Certain time to get there, certain time to leave, I get that. But you ultimately are responsible for your calendar and your schedule. And, and saying, saying yes to opportunities, again, doesn't mean you're going to be able to do everything for all people. And saying no to some things will open you up to greater opportunities. So in all of this, as we're going to learn the next couple of weeks, you have to get good at saying no. I have a friend, I don't know if he's here right now, uh, very successful in business. He sold his business, did very well in selling his business. And I always like to ask people who've been successful questions like, tell me how you started and I get into it. And somehow we were having lunch a couple weeks ago and, and I asked him the question about email. I said, well, I know you don't like to text because when I text you, he calls me. 
he goes, I just, I'm not really big into punctuation or, you know, anything like that. And so you'll get texts from him. And I love that about, I go, so what do you do with emails? And this was his response. Oh, <laughs> I don't do emails. <laughs> this is a guy with significant, significant net worth. And he looked at his wife and he said, I told her years ago, I can either build things or do emails, <laughs> but I can't do both. And at that moment, she completely took it all off. He doesn't take emails. He doesn't send emails. And the average American worker I read this week from a poll in 2019 will spend five hours a day on emails. And you know what sometimes those emails are? People giving you homework. I, so I had to practice what I'm preaching this week. Somebody said, hey, would you do this? I'm like, nope. Thank you for the homework assignment, but I've already got some work I'm doing this week. You know what I'm talking about. You can't say yes to every single opportunity, but you can make the most of the opportunities that God brings across your path. And number four, as we close, the time is now. Not tomorrow, not later. It's now. And I, this, this is a verse I meditate on often, Proverbs three twenty-eight. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Give it now. Give it now. Do something with it now. I heard the story this week uh, about a chaplain. I got this story uh, secondhand, but it's someone I know, and, and this chaplain's been meeting with an iconic athlete from my generation. They've spent a lot of time together, meet often together, and this athlete is not a believer. And... Uh, this chaplain is constantly sharing the gospel, the goodness. Jesus died and rose again. If you will repent of your sins, declare Jesus as the Lord of your life, right? And believe that the same power that raises Jesus from the dead is the same power available for you. You can be saved. And he said every single time he shares the gospel, which is every time they're together, this athlete responds with these two words, not today. Not today. And that's some of you, week in and week out here at Woodland Hills Family Church. We sing to our Lord. We sing of the good news that we have of our salvation in Jesus. My sins are forgiven. My, my future is heaven. And you, each and every week, say, not today. You need to be reminded, and we'll close with this. You are not promised tomorrow. And your salvation is now. The time of your salvation is now. That you would repent and believe today. The days go slow, but the years go fast, don't they? I have a friend in this town who's almost 90. And uh, when he was, I asked someone about this and sharing this story a moment ago. But if, when he was 85, 86, he was spending time with his great-grandchildren at a restaurant here in town. And and when the children got in the car afterwards, the great-granddaughter said to her mom about great-grandpa, he's just growing up so fast. <laughs> and I, you know, we know where this series is headed in notes, but boy, I just, I just hope all of us, and I'm looking at young people, and I know, man, generations come, generations go. But remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come, where your great-grandchildren are saying, growing up so fast. Not today. No, today. 
today is the day to start thinking through time. If you've never placed faith in Jesus, as I pray that today would be the day you'd repent and believe. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all that you continue to do at this church. Even coming out of Easter last week and knowing there are new people and meeting new people in the last service and this service. Uh, the, the, the one who's been far from you, they, they made decisions years and years ago or, or in their childhood and they've been far from you for years or for decades. That today would be a, a new day for them and they would make the most of their time turning back to the eternal purposes of God, living out your will in their life finding out more and more what that means and serving other people. All of us in here can be selfish, can think only about ourselves, can put blinders on as we walk about town, as we walk about our jobs, that today those blinders would come off and we would have a head on a swivel and see other people and see the opportunities that you're bringing across our path and that we would do for one what we can't do for all. I pray that many come forward today to meet with those in the prayer team, to make decisions to follow Jesus. We pray all of this in the good name of Jesus through the authority of that name. And everyone agreed and said,